0: Matmenei Namaha Yatarth Gita Shrimad Bhagavad Gita Chapter 15 The Yoga of the Supreme Being Accomplished sages have striven to explain the nature of the world by various analogies. While some have described it as the forest of worldly life, others have represented it as the ocean of mortal existence in a different context the same has been called the river or abyss of worldly life sometimes it has also been compared to the hoof of a cow apparently they all imply that the extension of the world is only so much as that of the senses and the stage at last comes when even this fearsome quote ocean dries up in the words of Goswami Tulsidas the mere naming of God dries up this ocean. Yogeshwar Krishna also has used the words ocean and tree as epithets for the world. He has said in the sixth and seventh verses of chapter 12 that he soon delivers his loving devotees who contemplate him, the manifest God, with firm concentration from the gulf of the mortal world. In the present chapter, he declares that the world is a tree which yogi who are seeking for the supreme goal have to cut down. <laughs>
1: Asvattham prahuravyayam parnani Yastam
0: The Lord said, He who knows the people tree that the world is, with its roots above and branches below, and which is said to be imperishable, and of which Vedic verses are the foliage, is a knower of the Ved. The root of this everlasting people, fig tree, like world, is the God above and its boughs are the nature below. A tree does not even last till the symbolic tomorrow, but the tree of the world is indestructible. Two things are immortal, according to Krishna. The first of these is the everlasting world, and then beyond it there is the eternal Supreme Spirit. The Ved are said to be the leaves of this tree of the world. The man who observes this tree well, along with its root, and is aware of its reality, is an adept in the knowledge of Ved. The man who has perceived the truth of the world tree, rather than one who has merely perused holy books is the true knower of the Ved. Study of books only provides a motive for proceeding in that direction. It may well be asked at this point why the Ved are needed instead of leaves. Vedic verses, which generate well-being, are useful because they motivate from the very point when, after a great deal of wandering about, a soul goes through his last birth, which is like the final shoot of a tree. This is the turning point where the straying ceases and the seeker begins to proceed confidently towards God.
1: Adhasya Urdhvam Prasrita Stasya Shakha Gunapravriddha visaya Pravala Adhasya Nusantatani
0: its branches, nourished by the three properties, extend high and low. Objects of the senses are its shoots, and its action-engendering roots stretch below to the world of men. The branches of sense objects and their enjoyment nourished and cultivated by the three properties of the tree-like world, spread everywhere, above and below, even going back into the earth and sprouting new shoots. They extend from the worms and insects below to the godly state and creator above, but they can bind only those who are born as men according to their past actions. All other births are only for the enjoyment of sense objects. Only human birth is subject to bondage in keeping with action. And...
1: Narupa labhyate. <laughs> Nanto na na chasam pratishta Ashvataminam suvirudamulam Asangashtra na dride
0: Since its form is not to be seen here as such, and it has neither an end nor a beginning, nor a secure foundation. This immensely grown tree should be cut down with the acts of renunciation. The world tree does not have a firm existence because it is changeable. So it has to be felled with the acts of total abandonment. It has to be cut down, not worshipped as it usually is, because of the superstitious assumption that God resides in the roots of this tree and that its leaves are the Ved. However, since this tree has grown from God's own seed, can it be cut down? In fact, the meaning of this cutting down is escape from nature, which is accomplished by renunciation. But what is to be done after the tree has been cut down?
1: Tath padam tat Yasmin gatana nivartantibhuya, tameva chadyam purusham prapadye yata pravritti prasrita purani.
0: Then that goal should be sought for, after arriving at which one does not have to turn back again, with a sense of total submission to that primal God whence all worldly life is born. But how to effect the quest for this God? The Yogeshwar lays down that self-surrender is an essential condition for it. There should be the feeling that I am at the mercy of God, the infinite being from whom the primordial world tree has sprouted and grown. This tree cannot be cut down without seeking shelter under him. Krishna then speaks about the signs from which one may realize that the tree has
1: been cut down. virmana jita sanga dosa adhyatma vini vritta Dvandvair-vimukta-sukha-dukha-saṅgyair sangyair gacchantya mudha
0: Men of knowledge, who are free from vanity and delusion, victorious against the evil of infatuation, ever abiding in the Supreme Spirit, totally devoid of desire, and liberated from the contradictions of joy and grief, achieve the eternal goal. The destruction of vanity, delusion, infatuation, desire, and of the contradictions of pleasure and pain is possible only by complete self-surrender to and abiding constantly in God. Only through this do men of true wisdom attain to the eternal state. The world tree cannot be severed without this attainment, and renunciation is needed up to this point. Now what is the form of that ultimate state which is achieved by renunciation?
1: Na sūryo Na śaśaṅko na pāvakaha Yad nivartante Taddhāma paramam
0: That, after reaching which there is no return, and which is illumined by neither the sun nor the moon, nor by fire, is my supreme abode. After this ultimate home has once been reached, there is no rebirth, and everyone has an equal right to it.
1: Mammae vowsho jiva loke jiva bhuta sanatana mana shashtani indriyani prakritisthani karshati.
0: The immortal soul in the body is a part of mind, and it is he who attracts the five senses and the sixth, the mind. That dwell in nature, Krishna now explains how it is so.
1: Shariram yadavapnoti yaccha pyutkramati swaraha grihitvaitani sanyati vaayur gandhani vashaya.
0: Like the wind carrying a scent from its source, the soul that is lord of the body also bears along with him the senses and the mind from its previous body and assumes a new one. The soul carries with him the propensities and mode of action of the mind and five senses of the body from which he departs and takes them into his new body. The next body is immediately assured, and that is why Krishna asked Arjuna earlier how he had happened to be a victim of the misconception that the departed souls of ancestors would fall from heaven in the absence of obsequial rice cakes and water libation offerings. However, the immediate question is what the soul does after going into a new body, and what truly are, the five senses along with the mind
1: Shotram Chakshu Sparishanamcha Rasanam Granami Vacha Adishtamanasayam Vishanu Pasivati.
0: Governing the senses of hearing, sight, touch, taste smell, and also the mind, he, the soul, experiences objects through them. But it is not seen to be so, and everyone is not able to see it.
1: (laughs) Utkramantam sthitam vāpī
0: The ignorant are unaware of the soul, endowed with the three properties and departing from the body or dwelling in it and enjoying objects. Only they who have eyes of wisdom Discern him. So naturally, the next verse is on how to secure this vision
1: Yatanto Yoginas Pashantmannyavastitam Yatanto Pyakritatmano. (laughs) <laughs>
0: yogi know the essence of the soul dwelling in their heart, but the unknowing who have not purified themselves of evils fail to see him even after much endeavor. By restraining their minds from all directions and through earnest endeavor, yogi perceive their soul. But men with an unaccomplished soul, that is, with unclean mind and heart, fail to see him even though they strive for it. This is because their mind and sense organs are impure. Only by making a strenuous effort to subdue their mind are sages enabled to apprehend their self. So contemplation is a necessity. Krishna now throws light upon the glories of the self of realized sages, which have also been dwelt upon earlier.
1: Yadadityagatam tejo Jagadbhasayate khilam Yachandramasiatno Tatejo Mamakam
0: Know that the radiance of the sun that lights up the world and of the moon and fire is my own effulgence. Next he points out the sage's task
1: Gama Vishachabutani. Permeating
0: <in> the, <air> the earth, I support all beings with my radical energy, and, like the ambrosial moon, I provide the sap that nourishes all plants and
1: aham vaiśvanaro bhūtvā prāṇīnām deham prana prāṇāpāna samayuktaḥ
0: I am the fire, possessed of prana and apana, within the body of all living beings that consumes the four kinds of food. In chapter 4, Krishna referred to various kinds of fire, of knowledge in verses 19 and 37, of God in verse 25, of restraint in verse 26, of the senses in verse 26, of yog in verse 27, and of pran-apan in verses 29 and 30. And the resultant from all of them was said to be knowledge. Knowledge itself is fire. Assuming the form of such fire, it is Krishna who accepts and assimilates the food generated by the four modes of recitation, namely, bīkari, Madhyama, Pashyanti, and Para, that are endowed with Pran and apan. It will be remembered that recitation is always by means of inhaled and exhaled breath. According to Krishna, God is the only food, manna, with which the soul is so placated that it never feels any hunger again. We give the name of food to accepted nutrients of the body. But God alone is the real food, and this food is brought to ripeness only by going through the four steps of baikari, Madhyama, Pashyati, and Para. Some wise men have also called them name, nam, form, root, Revelation, Lila, and Abode, Dam. At first, the name is pronounced audibly. Then, gradually, the form of the adored God begins to take shape within the heart. Subsequently, the worshiper begins to view God's dalliance in his breath, how he pervades every atom of the universe and how he operates everywhere. Perception of the works of God within the sphere of the heart is lila. Rather than enactment of folk plays based on the legends of Ram and Krishna, it is perception of the operations of God within the realm of the heart that is the true lila. And the supreme abode is reached when the touch of God begins to be felt after the perception of his operations. Knowing him thus, the worshiper comes to dwell within him Dwelling in this abode and dwelling in the Supreme Spirit after feeling His touch in the perfect state of transcendental recitation, Paravani, are simultaneous events. Thus, equipped with pran and apan, or shwas and prashwas, and progressing gradually through bhaikari and madhyama to the culminating stage of para, the food that God is is ready and available. And also assimilated. And of course, by then, the eater of the food is ready also to partake of the sublime nourishment.
1: Sarvasya <laughs> chaham matta smritiir gyanam ma apohanancha vedaisya sarvai rahameva vedyo vedanta kritvedavidemachaham
0: seated in the heart of all beings i am their memory and knowledge and also the strength that overcomes all impediments I am that which is worthy of being apprehended by the Ved, and I verily am the author of the Vedant, as well as their knower. Krishna exists as the omniscient presence in the heart of all beings, and it is because of him that the Supreme Spirit is remembered. Memory here signifies the recalling of the forgotten essence of God. There is clearly here a representation of the moment of realization. Knowledge that comes with memory and the ability to overcome difficulties are also gifts from Krishna. He is also a fit subject for knowing by all the Ved. He too is the author as well as end of the Ved. Knowledge comes when he is separate, but who will know whom when the worshiper has perceived him and become one with him. Krishna is also knower of the Ved. He said at the beginning of the chapter that the world is a tree of which the root is the God above and all of the branches below are nature. The one who can distinguish the root from the branches that are nature knows the essence of it, and he is versed in the Ved, or sacred knowledge. Here. Krishna says that he is such a one, knower of the Ved. He thus puts himself on a par with other scholars of the Ved. Thus it is again stressed that Krishna was a sage who knew the truth, truly a Yogeshwar, a lord of yoga among yogi. The subject is concluded here, and now he goes on to say that there are two kinds of beings, or purush. There are two kinds of beings in the world, the mortal and the immortal. Whereas the bodies of all beings are destructible, Their souls are said to be imperishable. The person, male or female, who has restrained their senses along with the mind, that is, whose body of senses is steady, is said to be imperishable. The perishable person exists today, but may not even exist tomorrow. But this too is soul in a particular condition, there is however another self beyond these two
1: Uttama purushastvanyah paramatme ityadharita yolo avishya
0: but higher than both of them is the one who pervades the three worlds to support and sustain all and who is named the eternal God and Supreme Spirit. The unmanifest God, the imperishable and the Supreme Spirit or Supreme Being are some other names by which he is known. But truly he is different and inexpressible. He represents the ultimate state beyond the mutable and the immutable, the perishable and the imperishable. He is directed by the Supreme Spirit, but he is different and beyond words. Krishna introduces Himself as a soul in such a state.
1: Yasmat sharamati toham, aksharadapichotamaha, atos miloke vedetra, pratita purusho tamaha.
0: Since I am supreme by virtue of being beyond both the perishable body and the imperishable soul, I am known as the Supreme Being, Paroshottam, in the world as well as in the Ved. He is reputed as the Supreme Being in both the world and the Ved because he has transcended the destructible, mutable Shetra, and even gone higher than the immutable, imperishable, steady soul.
1: Yo ma meva masam mudo janati purushottamam sa sarva vidhvajati ma sarva bhavena bharata
0: the all knowing man who is thus aware of my essence O barat arjun as the supreme being always worships Me with perfect devotion. Such a worshiper is not separate from
1: Krishna. <laughs> I
0: have thus instructed you, O the sinless Arjuna, in this most subtle of all knowledge, because, O Bharat, by knowing its essence a man gains wisdom, and accomplishes all his tasks. Krishna thus enlightens Arjuna on the most secret knowledge by being well acquainted with the essence of which a man becomes all knowing and gains his object. So, this instruction by Krishna is a complete sacred precept in itself. This mysterious knowledge of Krishna was most secret. He told this to only devotees. Rather than for all, it was meant only for the worthy who are spiritually ready to receive and profit by it. But when the same secret teaching is put down in black and white and appears in the form of a book, it may seem that Krishna has imparted it to all. But in truth, it is only for those who are fit to receive it. Even the manifest form of Krishna was not meant for all but he kept nothing back from the worthy Arjuna. Arjuna could not have been saved if his charioteer had kept secrets from him. This uniqueness is to be found in all sages of accomplishment. Ramakrishna Paramhansdev was once ecstatic. His disciples asked him for the reason, for his ecstasy. Alluding to an eminent contemporary great soul, a realized sage who had controlled and subdued all his senses by abstract meditation. Ramakrishna said that on that day, he too had become a Paramahansa, like him. After a while, he told the disciples who followed him, aspiring with mind, action, and speech, for freedom from passion and worldly attachment, Do not ever be in doubt now. I am the Ram who was born in Treta, I too am the Krishna of Dwapar. I am their sacred soul. I am of their form. If you have to attain, behold me. In precisely the same way, my revered teacher used to say, Mark you that I am but a messenger of God. Real sages are messengers of the all-pervading, preeminent, changeless, supreme spirit. And it is through them that his message is received. Jesus Christ exhorted men to come to him, all who labor and are heavenly laden, and he would give them rest by revealing to them God his Father. From Matthew 11.28 in the Bible. So everyone can be a son of God. Albeit, it is a different matter that going to sages is made possible only through sincere striving for the accomplishment of worship and meditation. In Surah 2 of the Quran, Allah reveals, Lo, we have sent you, O Muhammad, with the truth, a bringer of glad tidings and a messenger. My revered teacher, Maharajaji, used to say the same about himself to all. He neither supported nor contradicted any view or doctrine, but he did tell those who earnestly craved for liberation from passions and worldly attachment, Just look at my form. If you aspire for the ultimate spirit, contemplate me and have no doubt. There were many who were skeptical, but Through demonstrating by personal experience and conduct, and even by berating them, he made them give up their irrelevant assumptions, among which are included the many rituals and ceremonies dwelt upon by Krishna in verses 40 through 43 of chapter 2, and thus induced them to have faith in him. He exists timelessly as an accomplished sage. Likewise, although Krishna's glory was a mystery, He revealed it to His earnest devotee, worthy and affectionate Arjuna. This is possible with every worshiper, and sages have thus brought millions onto the spiritual path. Conclusion Krishna said at the beginning of the chapter that the world is a tree like the people, the fig tree. But the people tree is just an analogy. Its root is the God above and all nature is its branches that spread below. The one who gains awareness of the tree along with its root is well versed in the Ved. The branches of this world tree as well as its roots are everywhere, high and low, because it has sprung from the God whose seed, the soul, resides within the heart of every being There is the myth that, seated on the lotus once, Brahma speculated over his origin. He entered the stem of the lotus from which he was born and went deeper and deeper into it. He penetrated ever deeper, but he could not see the source of his birth. So in despair he resumed his seat on the lotus. Then, through restraint of mind and meditation, he at last discovered his fountainhead in the Supreme Spirit and extolled him, whereupon God himself revealed to him that although he exists everywhere, he can be found only within the heart. The one who contemplates him within the sphere of his heart realizes him. Brahma is a symbol. He represents the emergence of the ideal state from the mature practice of yoga. The mind that is inclined towards God and possessed of knowledge of the Supreme Spirit is Brahma. Although growing in water, the lotus is unstained and pure. When the mind wanders about in quest, it does not gain its object. But seated on an immaculate seat with total self-restraint, the same mind realizes God within the heart when it reaches the stage of dissolution of that restraint itself. Here, too, the world is a tree whose roots and branches are everywhere. It stands for the worldly fetters that bind only human beings in accordance with their actions. The other forms only suffer the consequences of these actions. So Krishna implores Arjuna to sever this people-fig-like tree world with the acts of firm renunciation and seek for the supreme goal, after achieving which, sages are not reborn. As to how to know that the tree has been cut down, the Yogeshwar says that the man who is free from pride and ignorance, who has overcome the evil of attachment, whose desires have come to an end, and who is liberated from conflicts, attains to the final beatitude. Illuminated by neither the sun nor the moon nor by fire, the God who is the ultimate state is self-radiant. What is essential for this spiritual achievement is firm conviction that the one after approaching whom there is no going back or reversion is the supreme abode, and that all are equally entitled to it because the embodied soul is but an immaculate part of Krishna himself. When the soul gives up a body— he carries the inclinations of its mind and five senses into the new body he assumes. If the sanskar is enlightened and morally good, the soul attains to the level of enlightenment and moral virtue. If he bears rajas-dominated sanskar, he gets through to the medium level. And if the sanskar is characterized by tamas, the soul climbs down to birth in lower forms of life and indulges in sensual pleasures through their mind that controls the senses. This is usually not seen, for the vision that is needed to perceive it is the vision of knowledge. Just memorizing something is not knowledge. Yogi are enabled to see it only by concentrating the mind on the self. Thus, knowledge is achieved from practice and accomplishment. Although it is true that study of sacred works inclines one to it. Men who are skeptical and devoid of accomplishment do not gain the desired object, even though they endeavor hard for it. Stressing the same point, Krishna states that it is he who, residing in the heart of all beings, generates memory. He causes them to recall the God who was forgotten. He is also the knowledge that comes with this memory. It is also by him that the hurdles in the way are surmounted. He alone is fit to be known, and he too is the one who represents the end of this knowledge after it is known. And since after this point the knower and the known are one, knowledge is irrelevant. For now who is there to know and who to be known? Krishna is knower of the Ved of the divine truth. He has said that he who knows the world tree, along with its root, is versed in the knowledge of the Ved. But this knowledge comes only to him who cuts down the tree. Now he says that he is knower of the Ved. He counts himself as one of those who are initiated into the wisdom of the Ved. So Krishna, too, is here a sage-knower of the Ved, the knowledge of which all of mankind is entitled to. At the end, it is said that the world has three kinds of beings. All the bodies of beings are transitory, but the same being is imperishable in the state when the mind is steady, although it is subject to contradictions. And even higher than this is the transcendental God, who is said to be unmanifest and eternal, and who is indeed unique. This is the being beyond transience and permanence. This is the ultimate being. As one with this being, Krishna is also the same, identical with this being, beyond the destructible and the indestructible, because of which he is known as the Supreme Being. Enlightened seekers who know the Supreme Spirit thus worship Krishna wholeheartedly. There is no anomaly in their knowledge. It is this most secret knowledge that Krishna imparts to Arjuna. Sages of attainment do not reveal it to all, but they also do not hide it from the deserving. If it is hidden from them, how will they achieve their object? Thus concludes the fifteenth chapter in the Upanishad of the Śrīmad-Bhāgavad-gītā on the knowledge of the Supreme Spirit. The discipline of Yoga, and the dialogue between Krishna and Arjuna entitled Purushottam Yoga, or The Yoga of the Supreme Being. Thus concludes Swami Adgadanand's exposition of the 15th chapter of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita in Yatart Gita. Tat Tatsat.